Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome in to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. The regular season, guys, is in the books. We're getting ready for postseason football. This week, we're uh, we're already turning the clock, turning the page over to the off-season mode here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, as many dynasty managers are doing right now, Ryan. It's time to b- start thinking about uh, building teams for next season, the NFL draft, everything that happens in the off-season. Our minds are on that. We're, we're over this whole 2021 NFL season, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the playoffs should be fun, but... Uh... Yeah, as far as fantasy goes, as far as dynasty goes, definitely moving on, looking ahead, ready to really dive into the rookie class of of 2022 and uh, and, and everything else that goes along with the offseason. Matt, Ryan mentioned that the, the postseason is going to be fun as a football fan, especially for us Packers fans, number one seed and all. But uh, Dynasty's always on our minds, and we, we really couldn't wait to get into off-season mode. Yeah, we, 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 we've got all the information we're going to get from this season, so it's really time to start solidifying our opinions on players, uh, tearing them up like we're going to do today, uh, and start you know figuring out what we're going to do for the puzzle in 2022. It's a new puzzle every single year. Different players are going to be league winners next season, and uh, we want to make sure we can acquire those players at, uh, at, at a good price. Yeah, so like Matt said, we will do the consensus rankings episodes as we have for the last few seasons coming out of the regular season. Uh, Consensus tiers, really. And we thought it appropriate to talk about the running backs first. Now, before we get into that, guys, I do have to say, you know, the three of us have been talking a lot about the podcast and how we do things. We're, We're inching closer to the 500th episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We got some stuff scheduled for that. That's going to be a fun listen for our listeners, fun for us to do as well. And then and then some tweaks, some changes that, uh, that we're really excited to bring to our audience as well. But before we get to any of that, we need to do four nine, episode 497 before we can get to 500 or 501. Let's get into these running back consensus tier rankings uh, and we went through all the veterans. We're not throwing any of the incoming rookie class in there just yet. We always wait until we have all the declarations to start talking about those kinds of guys. There's still some news trickling in on that, and we're excited to bring you all that information as it comes out. But first, we're going to really talk about these veterans, and it starts at the top in Tier 1. And guys, we it was a clean sweep. We only put one player in there, Matt. 
all three of us put the same guy. It's JT, Jonathan Taylor, consensus number one running back, consensus single tier of just J- Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, there's there's no other real choice right now. Um, you know, that said, if I had Jonathan Taylor, uh, just based on my personal dynasty strategy, I might consider 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 trying to move off of him at this point. Try to move into one of those top receivers, something like that. Some a player that's going to be a little bit potentially safer, you know, as we go through this off season, we know what happens to running backs, uh, whether it's from, uh, you know, the workload that they, that they went through during the season um, and, and the pileup that could happen on the entry to the, to the following season. So with Taylor right now, I know he's probably the most valuable player in all of dynasties in, in one quarterback leagues anyway. Uh, but because of that position that he plays, uh, there's there's a good chance I would be looking to move off of him if I was on a team that if if, if he was on a team of mine that you know was was even like a middle of the road if I was an absolute top top tier contender uh, and I was pretty sure even if I something was to happen to Taylor I'd be competitive then, then that's the time the team team I would hold on to him um, but you know if I'm anywhere from the middle of the road or worse I think at this point uh, I'm happy to try to to get max value for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm on, actually on board with that as well, uh, especially you, you mentioned middle of the pack. If you don't think you're that that strong contender uh, really every single season, certainly this year and, and next year, uh, then I'm fine moving Taylor as well and, and selling high. Uh, but just looking at him, I mean, only 22 years old. He is the number one player right now in our ADP, not just the number one running back. But I remember earlier in the season having a conversation uh, about the top players at each position, and there was an argument among quarterbacks. Mahomes was struggling at that point. There was an argument among wide receivers. Is it Chase? Is it is it Jefferson? Or maybe even uh, one of the other young receivers. And even at that time, there was there was a conversation between Taylor and, and a, a few others. I mean, some people were even putting DeAndre Swift as the RB1. Uh, at that point earlier this season but I think of looking across the four positions this this is the one that's locked in no argument at all Uh, I I can't imagine even somebody having somebody like Christian McCaffrey as the RB1 it's it's got to be Taylor tier of his own yeah it's it's a difficult to make that case for anybody but Taylor with that run he had in the middle of the season although he maybe let us down the last couple of weeks of the regular season he's just so dynamic and it's hard to see him breaking down um physically he's so young and he's so gifted if he could just add I, I read a stat guys earlier this week that Jonathan Taylor finished 2021 as the RB1 in fantasy with the least amount of catches since 2008. So he's doing it in PPR leagues without the added benefit of those catches that we get from some of those other top-tier or traditional top-tier running backs, the Christian McCaffreys and the the Dalvin Cooks and Alvin Kamara's of years past. Taylor's got to do it without the pass catching. So it's still something we said it at the beginning of the year. We were hoping for two or three catches a game, and that kind of disappeared in the middle of the season. Uh, it started off strong, but we got away from that in Indianapolis, and hopefully they can refine that part of their offense because he's, as he showed a few times, taking screens long distance that he could be very dynamic as a pass catcher as well. So tier two, uh, that's one's another smaller tier, but not quite as small as the Jonathan Taylor tier up there at the top. 
There are three consensus guys, Ryan, in Tier 2. It's DeAndre Swift, it's Christian McCaffrey, and it's Javante Williams. No matter which order you have those three guys, they all seem to belong in Tier 2. Yeah, I think they certainly do. Of course, uh, we we know what McCaffrey can give us when he's on the field. And, uh, I mean, if he is healthy, he's he's closer to Tier 1 than he is to to the other veterans uh, later that we'll get to. Uh, and then you have these, you know, these relative newcomers, the w- rookie Williams, the second year player in Swift. Uh, and, and we're excited about their upside. Obviously, their their age, what we have seen from them so far, uh, that's that's what pushes them up the board uh, this highly, I think. And, and Williams, uh, Javante Williams is really going to be kind of the hot button player of the of the offseason, I think. Uh, many, uh, obviously the three of us, have him as a top five dynasty running back. And some because he shared the backfield, because um, he, he didn't put up those RB1 weeks uh, so often that, that Taylor and, and so many others did, uh, are, are kind of discounting him. And I think that's, you know, honestly, I think that's foolish. You've got you've to look ahead a little bit. Melvin Gordon's a free agent. He's, he's going to be gone. Uh, I think we can say that with uh, with certainty. And I also think that offense as a whole is going to be upgraded. Uh, we, we know the, the Broncos are moving on from Vic Fangio as their head coach, and we're, we're, we're hoping they finally get that, that quarterback that can help the entire offense. We really need that leap from Javante Will, Will, Williams that we saw from DeAndre Swift, Matt. Uh, Swift came out like gangbusters early in the season and got – Dynasty rankers like ourselves th- thinking about him as a top ten running back, as a top five running back, as a, a as a top two running back. Even um, he came back late in the season. They they kind of held his hand through those last couple of games where he was active. But the expectation with Swift, Matt, has to be that he'll get back into that lead dog role. He'll be the bell cow of that offense once again in Detroit in twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. For me, the, this tier is uh, the upside of McCaffrey when he's healthy, and then a bunch of young guys that have, I would say, less question marks than the next tier, but you know, more question marks than Jonathan Taylor. And for me, with Swift, the question is, you know, he's never been that full time bell cow back, uh, at least at least for any extended period of time, and remained healthy doing so. Um, so that's the question with him: is he an Austin Eckler light? You know, like uh, that kind of player. Maybe he is. He's better than Austin Eckler, um, just younger. And so that's why we have him a tier uh, in this tier two section. And then Javante, like Ryan said, we're just waiting for Melvin Gordon to get out of the way. I think we've seen everything we need to see with him from an ability standpoint and what he can do in the NFL. Um, and then CMC, we just we just need you feel be on the field, bud. He could be. He could if he stays healthy all next season. He could absolutely be the running back one again. So that kind of discount, if you can get that kind of discount for him from from an owner, that's just you know, just tired of the nonsense. Uh, he's somebody that I'm going to be looking to add to my roster uh, this off season, you know, just for that, that, that potential upside. And we know it could certainly backfire as it did this year uh, for people that traded, ha- traded for him during his injured stretch. But uh, we know what he can do uh, when he is on the field for our lineup. So uh, it's those three pretty easily. And then uh, Ryan and I have another guy, Harris, who, um, you know, I think he fits with 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 Javante and and DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Um, 
I think you don't have him here, Dan, but and, and, and I understand that. I'm not super excited about his talent, but he has been the running back for this season. Um, he's had up and down pass game usage, uh, but we can't deny the volume he's going to get, uh, and he's re- he's remained relatively healthy with, with, with a full-time role. So I think that's enough for me to put him at this tier, but certainly at the bottom of this tier. I did notice, and, and I think back to the uh, the offseason and the preseason, one big knock against DeAndre Swift was that we just knew the Lions were going to be so bad. Uh, and, the, and they were. Uh, I don't know how much that impacted him or impacted the running game in general, but you look at these, these players we've talked about so far, Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, Swift, and McCaffrey. Uh, all of those teams were, were bad this year, relatively bad. Of course, the Colts um, just, just miss out on the playoffs. The other three teams were not, uh, not really all that close. So uh, it, I, did, I don't know that it means much, but it's kind of interesting that we're looking at, at these highest-valued running backs in Dynasty, and their teams, at least at this moment, aren't particularly good. So the reason I left Najee Harris out of that, that second tier – was wasn't really necessarily about the talent because he makes some plays that make you will make you j- drop your jaw the the one-handed catches out of the backfield he makes people me- miss in the backfield it's really about the surrounding cast you know there's so many questions about the quarterback position there's questions about um that offensive line I, really all the way across that offensive line they have problems that they need to address in the offseason but because they have some issues on the defensive side of the ball and at quarterback, it's just a, such an unknown. Are they going to be able to address all those uh, problems that they have across that front five? And that affects how Najee Harris can perform on the field. You know, so many times we went into a week expecting RB1 numbers, and he was he was bottled up because of the limitations of the entire offense. And I just don't see how that gets better. It's going to be very difficult with the with the Steelers picking in the second half of the of the first round in the draft and Ben moving on I, I think most likely at the very least uh for them to upgrade the position we we all we all say so much about Ben and the lack of production and and how he looked like an older quarterback throughout this season but I have a hard time seeing them have a having a better quarterback in 2022 than the than the aging Ben Roethlisberger of 2021. And that affects how I feel about Najee Harris. I, I agree with you, but we were, we're, we're keeping Swift up this high and we're dealing with players like Tim Boyle, you know, starting for a, a decent chunk of the season. So I just don't know that the 2022 Steelers without Ben and an offensive line problem is going to be that much worse for uh, a running back who's very good out of the, out of the backfield as a receiver. So I think that's where we're going to be relying on him until the team does uh, get better. But that doesn't mean I think that he doesn't have, you know, significant PPR value, uh, at least as much as, as DeAndre Swift does at this point. And he's proven that he can stay healthier to this point in, in their NFL career than, than Swift. It's the same. It's the same thing with all of these players. There's, there's quarterback questions with Javante Williams, with DeAndre Swift, with McCaffrey, and honestly, after after week 17, maybe even with Jonathan Taylor as well, uh, all of those teams could be uh, looking to make a change potentially at quarterback. Yeah, they're you know really tier two is there. There's concerns with each of them, and and even like you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, there are small concerns there too. 
that's why I had such a problem drawing the line between tier two and tier three. I considered Najee Harris very strongly and ended up drawing the line right before him. That ends up making our consensus tier DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Christian McCaffrey, and Najee Harris. But then there's a handful more names that feel like they belong very, very close with Harris and the other three. And that starts off with some of the guys that the veteran running backs that have been top five running backs recently. Guys like Delvin Cook, Elvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, and Derrick Henry. All those guys feel like they're going to be top 10, top 12 producers next year. Now, we, we all know that the turnover at, in the top 10 or top 12 at running back is it, it changes rapidly from year to year. So we can't just throw these guys' names in. But those guys, Cook, Kamara, Mixon, and Henry, along with Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb, those guys all fall into Tier 3 for all of us. I'm just wondering, guys, how close were those names, Ryan, to, to jumping into Tier 2 for you? Well, you're right. It, it it could almost be viewed as as one huge tier from McCaffrey and, and Javante Williams down to um, th- those players like Saquon Barkley, Antonio Gibson. Even uh, the the separation for me, where I really drew the line, is I, I thought of that that top five group, and for me, that was Taylor, Williams, Swift, McCaffrey, Harris as dynasty assets. Meaning, I'm I'm fairly confident at this point they all have multiple year value. Um, value in, in 2022 and beyond. After that, I'm not sure. After that, I start treating it almost like a redraft, thinking about uh, the value of those players one year at a time. That's why I've got Derrick Henry currently as my RB6. You know, 28 years old, coming off the injury. That that might be a surprise to value him over Eckler or Cook or Kamara or Mixon. Uh, but I started thinking about a, a 2022 redraft. And I think Jonathan Taylor's probably the number one pick, and maybe we'll see a couple wide receivers there. But I think there's a real chance the RB2 in a redraft league is Derrick Henry. Yeah, and all these guys that we're talking about here, Cook, Mixon, Kamara, Henry, even Eckler and Chubb, it's not like we're talking about 30-year-old running backs right here. Mixon's 25, Eckler's 26, Cook is as well. And and that's just a year older than Christian McCaffrey, who hasn't played more than a handful of games the last two seasons. So I like what you said there, thinking about that redraft philosophy. When you get beyond that youth, and I, I think that's the main reason, Matt, that I had Swift and Williams in that tier above these guys, especially those names, just because I they have more of a long view. And I, I might be making a mistake, or we as a group might be making a mistake, because these other guys, we're, we're talking about 26-year-olds. I know we usually want to get out on these guys, but there's a good chance we're looking at a two- to three-year window of high-end production out of all these names. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think it for me it comes back to that uh, weird thing we were talking about at the beginning where we don't mind moving Jonathan Taylor because of the position. And the, the guys in this tier for me, how I kind of separate them out was uh, the, the the formerly elite or maybe even still, still elite veterans who – you know, one bad injury, one, one bad season and their value is going to, you know, we're looking at Melvin Gordon, you know what I mean? Like that, if, if, if Dalvin Cook comes out, gets hurt for a year or just has a bad season, then we're looking at a Melvin Gordon type value. And I think the cliff for these guys is much, 
uh, steeper for the guys in tier one and tier two. Uh, and then I had a couple other guys that thrown in there too, that kind of fit with fit the theme like JK Dobbins and Cam Akers. I could easily see both of those guys, if they had just come off of a healthy second season, they would probably be in tier two for us, but there's enough question mark there. Um, you know, Akers looks good coming back. Dobbins is probably going to look good coming back, but there's enough for me, enough separation there for me to move them down a tier. And then one guy for me that didn't really fit at all, uh, in, in tier two and, and kind of doesn't really fit with this rest of this group in tier three is Antonio Gibson. You know, we've seen him be productive today and, and productive at times uh, when there has been a pass catching back on the field. We've seen that that part of his game suffer a little bit. Same quarterback issues, same, uh, you know, not great surroundings issues. Um, so he doesn't quite fit in that tier two, but, you know, there's not enough questions surrounding him to drop him to tier four either. So he's kind of a, an outlier in this tier for me. I wasn't really quite sure where to put him, but based on age, based on number of years left, unless we just think that, you know, he's not good enough to be a multi-year starter. That's the only really uh, concern I could see moving him down to tier four. So a bunch of veterans, uh, a couple of young guys with question, with injury question marks, and then Gibson, who's kind of, you know, I don't know. May, it, we, we talk about tiers all of their own, like we have at the top, maybe Gibson, is 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 between tier two and the, the rest of these guys in tier three for me well the three of us all had antonio gibson in this tier um he certainly belongs as far as as far as the three of us go and and names like jk dobbins and cam Akers, even saquon barkley they're all added to tier three for all of us as well that you know it feels like there is a difference between those names we just me- i just mentioned though and delvin cook Mixon, camara Eckler and Chubb and you know that's where I really struggled if this tier if we were going to really break it down into about 10 or 12 names here in tier three if maybe that couldn't be separated by with those veterans that you mentioned there Matt and then the younger guys that have already had these injuries like Akers and Dobbins like Gibson who had a second season full of injury although he was on the field for most of it and Saquon Barkley, who since his rookie season has not been the same kind of back as Cook and Mixon and Kamara, Eckler and Chubb. So th- I think there's a case, at least, Ryan, to be made that there should be a separating point in here. Obviously, we all decided they belong together. It's just an interesting topic. Yeah, I actually did separate them uh, initially, leaving uh, Akers, Dobbins, Gibson uh, down in-, in the next tier. Uh, with with basically the veterans, most of them being 26 years old uh, in this in this third tier. Uh, but ultimately, I, th- I think we've got questions about those players, those three uh, second year backs, of course, most of those being health related. Uh, we've talked about it on here before, and I would even put Barkley in that group uh, with with Akers, Dobbins, Gibson. If they come out in, in 2022 and they prove they're healthy, they're going to jump up to that second tier. They're going to to leapfrog Henry, Mixon, Eckler, Cook, all of those guys very quickly. It really feels that way. There is There are a couple other names that we haven't mentioned that either one or two of us have added to Tier 3. And I think we should start with Ezekiel Elliott, Ryan. I'll make the, the case that I have, and, and it, it was simple. I feel like if we're going to have Saquon Barkley in a tier, we have to have Ezekiel Elliott in the same tier. Age All the, all the things that we care about, uh, age production, uh, contract, offense that they play in, there's a case to be made that Zeke's in a better position than Saquon Barkley in all of those. So it felt to me that Zeke belonged here. I know you had him in Tier 3 as well. I'm wondering what made you think that Zeke belongs in Tier 3 with some of these other names. 
essentially that that was a big piece of it you look at these these guys in this tier Eckler Cook Kamara Zeke and Nick Chubb are all 26 years old so there's there's not an age gap here uh, that we're worried about Zeke honestly he's been healthier uh, more healthy than the majority of those players and he's been just as productive he's had seven RB1 games this year four RB2 games and then when you think big picture you think about those offenses uh, we're talking about the Chargers, Vikings, Saints, Cowboys, Browns. I'm certainly most confident in the Dallas Cowboys and what what their offense can do. They were one of the top scoring teams this year. I expect them to be the same next year, obviously giving Zeke uh, and, and that entire offense more opportunity. So not only do I think he belongs in the tier, I think there's a strong case that he should be valued ahead of uh, all those other players we're talking about being Kamara Cook, Eckler. Sure. Yeah. I, I notice you have him in your in the top 10 in your running back ranking still. I, I don't mind that ranking at all. I love that he plays through injury. He ran hard, even though he had that he was playing with with that um, with that brace and, you know, clearly playing through injury. He's he's a dog. He likes to work. And I like those kinds of running backs on my team, even as he kind of moves into his late 20s. I especially like what he did the last few weeks of the regular season. I'm looking forward to seeing him run in the postseason. The last name we need to mention, Matt, in Tier 3 is Packers running back Aaron Jones. Now, you and I both had him included in Tier 3. And there's a big conversation to be had about how A.J. Dillon has affected his value. The thing is, Aaron Jones continues to put up numbers despite A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones continues to do it with less touches every single game. And if we're going to talk about offenses that we want a piece of, Aaron Jones in Green Bay is a big one. So what made Jones a part of this tier for you? And if you're going to include Jones, because we, we've we've talked about him alongside A.J. Dillon all season long, what kept A.J. Dillon out of Tier 3 for you? I think there's a fine argument for them to be back-to-back and rankings are in the same tier. But I just think that... As long as these two are both in Green Bay, that Aaron Jones is going to be the primary pass catcher. I know we've seen Dylan catch plenty of passes this season, more than we maybe expected. But I just, I just from that perspective, especially if we have a new quarterback, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, hopefully it's not Jordan Love. You know, if, if it's an offense that has a quarterback who is limited in what they can do downfield, then the checkdown gap back is going to be Aaron Jones. I think a lot of the time. So it's really just that PPR aspect. Um, but you know, I think that's not a great argument. Uh, so I, I, I could see moving Dylan up. I could see moving Jones down. I'm not super tied to this. I guess I just have more confidence in Jones. They've paid him. We know he's going to be there. Uh, he's, the, the production is probably going to be a little bit inconsistent as we have seen at times this season and really throughout his career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind either way. I just, I just think that he's at this point still the more valuable player from a production standpoint. I, I tend to agree as well. I, I had Jones ahead of Dylan and, and a tier separator between the two as well. Jones, you know, he really played well early in the season. He got a lot more opportunities. And, and as late. the weather got colder and as the Packers mm-hmm. needed that that ground and pound attack late in games, late in the season, they've switched a little bit towards Dylan. It feels to me like... Like that was their plan from the beginning in good weather for Aaron Jones to be the primary guy. And as things kind of switched in Green Bay, they, they've gone to Dillon a little bit. And I, it's working for the Packers. I'm not sure it works for all of us as dynasty managers, however. 
before we move on to tier four, we should uh, put a bow on this tier. We ended up with uh, a pretty big one right here. It's Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Elvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Derek Henry, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Aaron Jones. So a large tier in tier three. Let's talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, the daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Even if you've played DFS in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight will feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique, easy-to-play games, including the popular More or Less contests, where you can bet on if your favorite NFL player will have more or less yards than predicted. You can also play all of the other major sports, as well as golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. Sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit and receive a full year of DLF Premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit total up to $100 with the promo code DLF. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription is going to be set up within 36 hours, and you'll have access to everything we have to offer. So go log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's jump into Tier 4, guys. This was another mm, questionable tier for me. I, I ended up with a real small list of, uh, of three players. And there were only two, really, between the three of us that we had as consensus tier four running backs. The aforementioned A.J. Dillon, Ryan, and then rookie running back Elijah Mitchell from San Francisco. Those two are in. But how did you go about building tier four? It, what, 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 were your, uh, what were your thoughts while trying to build these guys? I know you had Aaron Jones in here as well. Yeah, for me, it was... Uh pretty clear that uh, none of the those three that I ranked in that tier being Jones, Dylan, and Mitchell belonged in that group with uh, some players that I simply think at this point have higher upside and, and more value. So I, I didn't want to move them up. We'll get to tier five soon, but there's for me a lot of question marks in tier five. So uh, like you said, I ended up with a, a small tier of players that I feel uh, pretty good about, but certainly still have some questions. I, I really think Mitchell, uh, I mentioned uh, the rookie Javante Williams being a player I think is, is going to be hotly debated this off season. I think Mitchell will as well. Uh, I, honestly, I've, I've seen some people ranking him as an RB one, even a top 10 dynasty running back already. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been impressed, but I'm not quite on board with that yet. Mitchell is a fun player for sure in an offense that likes to feature players just like him in their backfield. So I actually struggled a little bit whether to put him in the tier above. I thought there was a case to be made at least to to add him to names like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson. But I settled in tier four. Matt, you had... Uh, Dylan and Mitchell. You also threw a few more names that we've already talked about, including Ezekiel Elliott. But one guy I really wanted to talk about was David Montgomery. He had another productive season. He helped dynasty managers win championships once again this year. And it seems like we're always a little low on him. He he kicked off tier five for me. And I had a hard time deciding if he belonged in this tier. You decided he did. 
Yeah, and this is just a you know a rock solid volume base running back to play. You know that that's really all it is with David Montgomery. We've seen his pass catching come up, uh, 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 you know, transfer from last season when he went on that tour at eight game streak to end the season. Uh, we've seen him remain you know relatively he- healthy, and we've also seen him maintain almost eighty percent of the snap share uh, from the running back position. It's really it was really only. Uh, you know, Khalil Herbert here and there, Damian Williams in as a pass catcher, and we're going to, who knows what's going to happen with Tariko and if he ever comes back. But it just seems to me he's got this role pretty much locked up. It's a very boring play, but if you want, you know, consistent running back two level points with uh, the occasional spike week, then I think Montgomery, is, it fits with, with these players. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's really, he's got the volume. That's really the main argument for him, both in the receiving game and in the rushing game. Before we get to the rest of the guys that you included, Matt, I I wonder what your thought, the thing that kept me from putting Montgomery in tier four, and obviously these are going to be fluid throughout the offseason. There's going to be a lot of changes to rankings and how we value these players. But I'm wondering what's going to happen in Chicago. Of course, Matt Nagy Mm -hmm. on the hot seat at the very, very least. In fact, before some some of you listen to this, he may have been fired. So if, if Nagy moves on from Chicago... And they go in a different direction in that offense. Montgomery strikes me as the type of player that if you didn't draft him, if you don't already love him, you might have a hard time falling in love with David Montgomery. I, I don't know. I just think he's 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 the boring, durable back that's going to. I mean, what are they going to? Are they really going to spend capital on on a running back? Are they going to draft one of those top two guys? Are they going to sign someone major in free agency? Maybe, but they have so many other holes on that team outside of you know they've got quarterback locked up and they have you know one receiver with Darnell Mooney really right. Like I guess you can say Cole Komet is is, is coming on. Those are going to be the two key pieces in their passing game. But I really feel like they have bigger you know, fish to fry a new coaching staff coming in. Like is, is a, is running back really going to be the position that they address? Maybe they like Khalil Herbert more who has played fine, but I do think he's uh, you know, a priority uh, add for for, for really any dynasty team this off season uh, in case something does happen with Montgomery, like you're suggesting or injuries or what have you. Cause he's shown, I think that he can fulfill that role. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess, I guess it's possible, but I just don't see a new coaching staff prioritizing running back on this team with so many other problems. I do think Montgomery is, is a really interesting player. You think back to last year and he ended on that crazy hot streak that Matt mentioned. Uh, and, and he became a player to talk about all last off season, you know, is, was that the real David Montgomery or should we be selling high? And uh, really no matter which side of that argument you were on, I, I kind of think you were right because he he's lost some dynasty value uh, since uh, of course, since the end of last off season, but he also gave us five RB1 games, four RB2 games. He's been, he's like been, Matt said, he's rock been solid. Good, man. man. Yeah, very good. And and I maybe it's just the dynasty manager in me that says that, that if you didn't love him already, you, you're going to have a hard time falling <laughs> in love with him. Because I never was. And I, I feel like I've been wrong about him, that I, I wish I had him on teams because of all the production. But it still feels to me that you mentioned Herbert's name. An incoming coaching staff, I, th- I think it'd be easier to fall in love with that guy than it is with uh, with David Montgomery as your primary runner. If if like Miles Sanders or Clyde Edwards Hilaire had the production that David Montgomery had from a you know just from a strictly fantasy points uh, standpoint, we'd have them in the, in tier two. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think tier it's three, a strong maybe. one. Tier, for tier sure. three, I guess maybe. 
Matt, you and I both had Travis Etienne along with Mitchell and Dylan. You had those other names as well. Uh, make your case for Travis Etienne, his upside down there in Jacksonville as a tier four running back. Well, well it was looking real bad for him when, you know, James Robinson had an Achilles, <laughs> you know, like uh, it was looking bad for him from a standpoint of ever having the full-time role there. The team obviously is in shambles, but they fired the the head coach problem. Hopefully they do not go and hire Bill O'Brien, which was, I think, rumored a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, this this offense looks looks up and without James Robinson there, you know, maybe they add another veteran. Maybe Melvin Gordon like goes there to die. You know, uh, but I think Etienne now, as long as he can get over this this uh, this foot issue, is probably going to have close to a locked in. You know, at least the lead back in a committee uh, kind of role now. Because uh, I mean, does it really make sense for them to bring in a veteran? I know we can say that Jacksonville, many things they do don't make sense, but it just seems like a, a hard thing to to really wrap my head around at this point. So it, it's based on upside. It's based on the player that we knew in college and the potential of uh, of the the starter lead back role. Um, that's that, that's really the the crux of it, I guess. Yeah, it it didn't make sense to to use your first rounder on a running back when you had James Robinson <laughs> either, and they they did that. And uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like for the for the franchise as a whole, for Trevor Lawrence, for us as fans and fantasy players, uh, Urban Meyer being gone is a good thing. Travis Travis Etienne may be the one player that uh, that Meyer leaving really hurts because we've seen him coach that style of player. Obviously, he he thought and thinks very highly of him spending that draft capital on him and the injury he suffered is, you know, it's, we talk about the Cam Akers Achilles, but the, the foot injury that ETN suffered is uh, very serious on its own uh, merit. And I don't know. He's, he's in that next group with uh, a lot of other players that have question marks. I still like the player, but I mean, Shad Khan, the owner, I do not trust. They're keeping apparently Trent Baalke. I certainly don't like that move. So even though the kind of the, the figurehead, the face of the organization is gone, there's still some uh, questionable decision makers there in town. Yeah, and who knows where that offseason is going to take the Jaguars. I, I wrote in the rookie report card that I still am willing to add ETN, and that was even before the injury that, that added, boosted his value once again. Um, now that Robinson is on the shelf for at least most of next season, I'm – I'm like on the fence. I don't know which way to fall off on when it comes to ETN. And, and, you know, I loved him coming out of college. I still think he can, he can recover from this injury and be a dynamic tailback. I just don't know if I believe in what they're doing down there in Jacksonville. Once again, just like we said, uh, with, with all the other youth, the rest of the youth on that team, we really need the right coach in Jacksonville. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they end up doing at the head coach position. Tier four is in the books. We only landed on three players, guys. It was Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon, and Travis Etienne. Some young tailbacks that uh, seem to be on the rise. Guys that could jump up a tier or two in 2022. Tier five is a little bit different, Ryan. We we got some aging veterans that have performed. We have some guys that have been around for a few years that have kind of disappointed, had high points, of course, but disappointed overall. I'm talking about Leonard Fordent, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, and Kareem Hunt. They're all consensus tier five guys. Fournette, clearly, since landing in Tampa Bay, he has, he has overproduced expectation. He's been really, really good when he's been on the field. 
Um, and then these these younger tailbacks that are sharing the space, Edwards Alaire and Kareem Hunt, even Miles Sanders, these guys there's plenty of question marks with. There certainly are, as, as I kind of mentioned earlier. But honestly, this is probably the tier where I'm going to be buying this offseason uh, because the majority of them, uh, out, outside of Fournette, obviously, the majority of them have lost dynasty value this uh, this season. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Sanders, uh, Kareem Hunt, due to injury. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be shopping in that, in the bargain bin this off season. Those are players just like if you targeted Fournette uh, a year ago, you got a nice return on investment. I still believe in the talent. There's, there's some questions uh, about the situation, at least in my opinion with Sanders, certainly uh, with uh, Josh Jacobs. I don't know if you mentioned that name yet, but those, that's another player I put in this tier. Uh, but, but overall I, I like the price of these guys right now. Josh Jacobs has been a guy, Matt, that has kind of come on since the coaching change. There's been a little bit of a a change in philosophy down there in Las Vegas late in the season. And you actually had him in tier four along with along with ETN and AJ Dillon and Elijah Mitchell. You're still holding on to that that upside play that we had of him coming out of Alabama. What's keeping you you high on his potential as he now goes into year four, I guess it would be. It, for me, it's just that, I mean, he's basically a slightly better version of David Montgomery. Like, like they're pretty much the same player to me. You know, a ro- reliable, rock-solid running back, too, that are going to catch a few passes. And, you know, one, one of our concerns with Jacobs was that he wasn't used, being used as a pass catcher uh, as a pro, which was one of the things we were so excited about him when he was drafted. Uh, but he's only had uh, two games this season with less than three targets, only four games with less than three catches. You know, he's, he's, he's starting to come on in that role. Maybe that's because, uh, you know, a little bit because of Kenyon Drake being injured and and uh, Jalen Richard being out being out but he's he's maintained uh, almost a 70% snap share all season long uh and you know I think he's I think he's the same like I said this I feel about this basically the same about him as I do David Montgomery he fin- also finished as the running back 13 uh, coming into into week 18 so you know he's 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 fine. He's he's a, he's a he's a fine running back too. And for that, I think he belongs with uh, 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 the, the the group ahead of this because I don't know if we can necessarily say the same uh, for the rest of these guys in this tier outside of Leonard Fournette, who you know is a little bit older as well. Uh, also, also uh, Josh Jacobs uh, only going to be twenty four at the end of next season. So, uh, and after that, he he may be on a new team, but uh, still very young uh, for how long he's been in the NFL and what he's put on on the field so far yeah Jacobs is is another guy that there's going to be some turnover down there in Vegas we're going to see most likely a new coaching staff Um, we don't know what the future of Derek Carr is they they have other needs as well and that offense has been really up and down throughout the season Jacobs has been a part of that it's just I I wonder what exactly their their plans are with Jacobs moving forward because they'll have to have to make some decisions at that position within the next year or so. So tier five ends up being a tier of six players. We we had Leonard Fournette, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, and Kareem Hunt. We also threw in David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Matt, you had a couple other names that I thought were pretty interesting here in tier five. Uh, younger guys, all three of them. Daryl Henderson, who tailed off this past season with the Rams. Uh, Michael Carter, the rookie who had his surges in our rankings throughout the year, and then Rashad Penny, who blasted off late in the year. Talk about these guys. 
Uh, yeah, Henderson, you know, we started off the year as, uh, you know, felt like a back-end running back one, and he was while he was healthy. But as we've seen time and time again with him, he's not uh, he's he's not the, the lead back for an extended period of time kind of player. Uh, we saw Sony take over in that role when he got hurt. Uh, and, you know, next season, presumably, we're going to see Cam Akers uh, out there on the field, and Henderson will go be, go back to being that, that complimentary back of when he was productive uh, you know, in, in 2020 as well. So uh, I like him there just fine. He, he, he doesn't quite fit as the bell cow as like, you know, maybe Sanders could be if Fournette certainly is. Um, uh, but he, but I think he has enough upside to be in this tier. Michael Carter, we've seen up and down seasons. We saw the Jets still be terrible. Still don't know anything about what Zach Wilson is going to be as a quarterback. Um, but, you know, he's got the youth. He's got he catches passes and he's got some unknown, untapped upside, I would say, behind him. And then Penny, you know, like – He's he's a joke, but uh, we've seen him uh, reel off uh, five out of uh, excuse me four out of his last five games have been 100 over 135 rushing yards. Uh, he's rushed for uh, six touchdowns over that span. So ending the season hot, we've seen players like this get hot at the end of the season before and then just become nothing uh, next season. And and you know that's possible with Penny. He'll probably be on a new team unless Seattle keeps. Uh, uh, Pete Carroll around, and then he'll probably want to resign, resign Penny. I can't wait for the conversation of them getting rid of Russell Wilson, but keeping Rashad Penny. That should be a fun one. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think we've seen enough upside for him to be to, to show that he has the at least a ceiling uh, when when healthy. And you know, that's something uh, it, that combined with the draft capital, all that kind of stuff, I think is something we could say that for me puts him above the that last tier of players that we'll talk about next. Daryl Henderson is a guy that I'm I'm deathly afraid of in Dynasty. Yeah. I, I traded him in the middle of the season. I couldn't rank him. In fact, I di- I didn't have him in my even in tier six simply because Acres is going to be back. And and I traded Daryl Henderson in the middle of the season after his big you know most productive weeks because you know he never had a hundred yard game despite all those opportunities. You know, always getting fifteen to twenty five opportunities in each game. And really didn't didn't make the most of them. He was very touchdown uh, dependent. Five touchdowns in the first seven games, and that's where those fantasy points were coming from. We 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 get, we fell into a trap a little bit, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. I was the guy on the podcast before the season after the Acres injury, saying that I would give up a future first round pick for Henderson. I think yeah. he could be a league winner. But as the season progressed and after the Sony Michelle trade and after, especially once they started incorporating him even a little bit in the middle of the season, it felt like that coaching staff didn't want to trust Henderson with anything more than a secondary role as that pass catcher and that guy that can, can be a slasher in the middle of the field on, you know, on, as, a, as a change of pace type runner. So Henderson really scares me personally. I don't mind your ranking at all of Carter or Penny because both have the upside. I, I just think Henderson might not have that same same amount of potential moving forward. In tier six, we or actually let's uh, yeah let's uh, jump over to tier six. We had a handful of guys that were consensusly ranked here, including James Connor, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds. And Devin Singletary. It's it's a it's a unique group, I would say. There's a little bit of upside here, Ryan. There's some veterans that have have played well as of late. Um, your overall thoughts on Tier Six and the guys that you ranked here, especially those guys that that we all put in Tier Six. 
Uh, obviously, we're to the just just the depth uh, stage of of the rankings, and and these are players that uh, that, that you want to have on your roster for those for bye weeks, uh, for, for those flex spots, or in case of injuries. Um, but don't want to necessarily count on these players every week, at least based on what we know right now. You mentioned some upside. We saw the touchdown upside from James Conner. He's a free agent. Uh, Chase Edmonds, his his current teammate, also is a free agent. Uh, so there is some upside if you've got those guys on your roster. Each of them could potentially be uh, worth quite a bit more uh, this offseason as we see how, how free agency un- unwinds and Presumably, they're they're not going to be teammates uh, for much longer. So, uh, some chance for both of those guys to gain value. After Connor and and Edmund Stevenson and Singletary, there's a few more names that we needed co- to consider. You already talked about Michael Carter and Rashad Penny, Matt, but a couple other names you listed here include Tony Pollard and Damian Harris. Harris, of course, had a big season for the Patriots, but. Man, it's hard to get on board with him as a long-term dynasty asset. That's probably why he's down here. Yeah, I hesitated to put on him on here at all, and then I saw Ryan had him on there, and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. He scored a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, so I guess he belongs, but but he's going to be inconsistent, you know, except for maybe around the goal line. And, and I think Stevenson can fill that role should they decide they want to rely on on one back more. So I think Stevenson certainly has more upside. Harris has is, is shown that he is not a pass catcher, catcher, at least in that offense. And, you know, presumably James White is going to be back and be catching passes again. I'm not sure of his contract status off the top of my head. Uh, so it's a crowded backfield. I think Stevenson has the most upside and, and Harris is kind of the boring, you know, if he, if he doesn't get a touchdown, then you're probably sad you started him. So you feel better about Stevenson at this I point? I do, yeah. Maybe it's the untapped yeah. potential. I don't know. Would you make that trade? Would you trade Harris for Stevenson? Oh, Dynasty? easily. Yeah, you know, Harris got so many. They have the trust, you know. He has the trust of that coaching staff right now. And I, I know Singletary was in, impressive, uh, or Stevenson, excuse me, was impressive but throughout the season. But, man, Harris is the guy that they, they wanted on the field clearly over him. Uh, maybe that will change going into year two for I, I think it depends on like what you're looking for out of the players. If you're looking for you know someone you can plug in and 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 get some points from right, and, and that's all you need. Like maybe I mean if you're if you're starting Damian Harrison as your running back too, then you're you're probably not a super strong competitor uh, unless you're just stacked out everywhere else, right? So if he's that kind of player for you, like if you need one of them to be that kind of player, then I think Harris is the play. But if it's kind of a luxury pick, a depth kind of piece, I'd rather just take the upside with Stevenson. I think. Sure, that makes sense. One other name we should bring up here, Ryan. I guess, I guess maybe a couple names. Uh, Sony Michelle had a resurgence in LA, but should be a free agent this off season. We'll see what happens there. And then your thoughts on Tony Pollard down there in Dallas, a guy with upside, but is a backup really? Yeah, Dan, you you've said this about Pollard before. I can't remember if you've said it on the show or just in in our conversations that. You know, you like the talent. You just don't know that he's the type of player who the, who can handle the backfield on his own. And a lot of the things that you guys were saying about Daryl Henderson, I thought I thought about Pollard. So I like Pollard a lot. I think you can you can start him in that flex spot, that last flex spot, occasionally. Uh, but I I don't think he's I don't think he's taking over for Zeke anytime soon. And I think when they do move on from Zeke. It, you know, it will either be a committee or they'll bring in someone else. I just, I really like the talent. I think he's great 
from an NFL perspective, a great player and weapon for the Cowboys. I don't think he's ever going to be that RB one in, in dynasty. And, you know, like he's already 25 years old, I, I believe. I think that's right. So we're just, you know, we chase these backups sometimes and we just do it their entire career and then they're gone. They, they never actually produce. So tier six ends up being James Conner, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, Michael Carter, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, and Tony Pollard. Those aren't in any particular order. Guys, we, we, we didn't mention a handful of names that we probably should would end up in the next tier. We'd talk about them very soon, we, including James Robinson and Melvin Gordon, Cordero Patterson, a guy that really produced this season, but uh, I don't think the expectation is all that high moving forward. Also, Alexander Madison, Chris Carson, uh, Jamal Williams up there in Detroit. So there's a handful more names, Miles Gaskin, Naheem Hines, and the list rolls on and on. Um, guys that are going to be depth pieces on other rosters throughout your league, and, and certainly guys worth a roster spot, but we didn't have time to necessarily talk about today. Um, last thing for each of you, Ryan, is there a guy that you're buying, consider the, these prices and, and ADP and all those things we talk about all the all the time, is there a running back you really want to buy this offseason as of right now? I think my answer would have to be uh, Zeke. As you mentioned earlier in the show, he's in my top 10 dynasty running backs. Our latest ADP has him as the RB18. There's certainly some negative uh, sentiments uh, about him. Uh, based on what we've seen this this season. Uh, so I, I would want to take advantage of that. I think he's at least in that mix with, with those other players we talked about. Beyond that, it, it's kind of the tier of players that I talked about. I believe it was tier five, those players that have lost value this offseason. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, even Aaron Jones, uh, even though I was a little – I had him further, further ranked uh, down the list than you guys did. Those those are players I would be targeting. Matt, is your guys is your guy going to be CMC, or are you going to aim a little bit lower as your main main addition this year? I mean, I, I think it's probably CMC if I can get a discount. But honestly, the answer is is none of these guys really until we get to like August, September, you know, early September. Honestly, I just don't think it's worth investing in running backs uh, for a while unless you can get them at a steep discount. Um, you know, maybe you can get that that Kamara, Cook, uh, Henry, Barkley, Chubb kind of kind of tier because they're you know, on the cusp of of uh, hitting that that you know, not not necessarily the age cliff in terms of their production, but in terms of how the community typically values those kinds of players. Um, for like stashes, I might want to take some cheap shots trying to get uh, mentioned Khalil Herbert earlier, uh, maybe Jarrett Patterson, um, some some depth guys like that 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 could uh, whose value could rise significantly if something did happen to the starter in front of them uh, before the the start of next season. So in, in general, I'm not paying any any premiums for any running backs right now. Uh, and and honestly, I'd probably be on the other side of that and then maybe try to buy back in closer to the to the start of the season. For me, the the biggest lesson I really learned this year was there were a handful of veteran running backs that I liked this year. And I just wasn't willing to pay the second round pick or sometimes even like a couple thirds. And they came through the main one being Leonard Fournette. I, I really liked the idea of him in Tampa Bay. Once again, coming into this past season, I just didn't capitalize enough. And the guy who sticks out to me is the same type of player right now is, um, is James Connor down there in Arizona. It really feels to me 
like this wasn't a fluke. He stayed healthy. He was very productive, both as a pass catcher and as a runner between the tackles. And he's one of those guys that can have the role all over the field. He he could be on the on the on the field on third down. I, I feel like he's gonna end up back in Arizona. That's a offense I want to invest in. So for me it's gonna be James Conner. I think there's still a there's gonna be a discount with free agency looming and a lot of unknowns surrounding him. Even if he moves on to another team, it feels to me like he's one of the top twenty talented running backs in the NFL. And because he's gonna be twenty seven, us dynasty managers won't really like him. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We're going to do wide receivers next week. So that'll be a fun conversation. We'll get through as many tiers as we can, as I mentioned in the lead. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Episode 500 is right around the corner. We're talking like NFC Championship Week. AFC and NFC Championship Week will release that one. And then some fun changes that I think all of our listeners are going to enjoy as well. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.